Aloha, y'all. Welcome to the Esports Futurite Ezine Podcast, where we chat it up with your favorite celebrities, influencers, local heroes, and people of all walks of life as we reveal the unexpected connection they have to the gaming industry. I'm your host, Chantelle Boucher. Well, hello, hello, and aloha, y'all. Miss Chantel Boucher here with the Esports Futurai Ezine podcast. And I am so extra, extra excited today because I have somebody here as a very special guest, which is, you know, I always have special guests, but you're extra special. Oh, thank you. This, this man here across from me, his name is Mr. Lewis Johnson. And I'm going to have to read from his credits because, like, I, I can't remember everything. And listen, this isn't even everything, <laughs> but Lewis Johnson is a 10 time Olympic commentator. 10 times. That's it. Yeah. And a sports reporter for ABC, NBC, CBS, and also work with Westwood One, ESPN, Pac-12 Network, Turner Sports. I mean, the list kind of goes, and me. Work with me now. I did Chantel all that. Boucher. And now working with you. Oh, my God. That's what I'm talking about. Like, who am I? You who are am somebody. I? That's who you I are. I just became somebody just by association. <laughs> you know you here. already were. Right? I, I was somebody, there but I'm go. really somebody. There I mean, you here's go. the proof right here. Oh, and this man thanks. has been amazing to me. He has taught me so much in such a short mm. amount of time. I look forward to learning more from you. Oh. And you're just a mentor now for me. Well, too. thank you. Thank you. Namaste. Thank you so much. <laughs> this this is fun. This is fun. Absolutely. And, it's, and it's so crazy. You know, you get to a point in life where you start to think back about or you, you sort of forget about some things. Right. And oh, so yeah. you read those items. And I think back to the beginning of my career when I was dreaming to be in the business, dreaming, you know, uh-huh you know, running track and field collegiately and professionally and was working behind the scenes in the business at the Rose Bowl. Had a great production manager who used to hire me to come out and buy the sodas and the batteries for the parabolic mics. You wow. know what that is? The round, those little half yeah, dough mics on I the sidelines. I don't know what it's called, yeah, but I know exactly mic. what you're yeah, talking so about. When you, when you hear those big, oh, those big tackles and crack, whatever, <laughs> the parabolic mics are picking that up. Wow, that's cool. So, yeah, so I used to pick, buy the batteries for all those things and, and the drinks and coffees and bring stuff to people. And and then the the best part about it was after setting it all up on the weekend, you know, yeah. I had that that broadcast to actually watch what was going on live. Could sit in the truck and watch what they were doing with the product, producer director, go up to the broadcast booth and watch how they were doing their thing, and then follow wow. the sideline reporter around to see what Len Swan was doing, the great wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And and I was building my dream through those experiences. And yeah. so I always tell people, I said, you know, sometimes you got to be willing to do something for nothing. Uh-huh. Oh, until yes. you can get something for something. Oh, mm-hmm. So I wasn't making mm-hmm. a whole lot of money, but I was gaining so much in terms of experience and being in the arena, which helped to build that belief that one day I could do some of those things. Yeah. And you know, your story is just so amazing. It's a, your, your history and your story and how on track you've been for so long. Mm. Some of us, it takes us a little bit longer to get to places that we would like to be or, or whatever, <laughs> because life and choices, whatever. But that was me too. You're, you're that just, was a, me too. this man is the class act. Okay. <laughs> when you look in, in the dictionary and you scroll down, there's a picture of Mr. Lewis Johnson there. Class act right there. Oh, you're so yeah. kind. You're so kind. But look, that was me too. And, yeah. you know, I, I get to go speak sometimes uh, to colleges, students, and what have you. And that was one of the best parts of working with the Pac-12 Network, not yeah. just doing the games, football, and basketball, but going to some of the classes on a Friday with another one of my broadcast partners, Yogi Roth, who is one of the greatest human wow. beings you'll ever meet. Wow. And we talk to them about just the career and the business, but more importantly, we take their questions. And yeah. I think you got to keep it real to a certain extent. And I, I, when I walked on the campus at the University of Cincinnati in 1982, I had no clue None, zero, <laughs> zilch, nada. Wait, what year was this? Uh, yeah, 1982. 19, that, 
I was one. You were one then? <laughs> so we've officially been dated, right? <laughs> dated ourselves. But I didn't know what I was doing. And I walked around, no scholarship, you know, no nothing per track. And then finally I walked on a couple of years later and the sports foundation really gave me a platform to begin to have more confidence and, yeah. and have a purpose there. And, mm-hmm. you know, now you got to stay eligible to be on the team. So classes became more important. Yeah. And even though I slipped up every now and then with that, I had a great experience from going from nothing to walk on to All-American in three years and then going to the trials in 1988 and two yeah. failures to make the Olympic team, but then been able to broadcast the last 10. So wow. the message is always to people is that you need to identify what your dreams are mm-hmm. and make a move on those things. And even yeah. if you hit a ditch or a slide or you just screw it all up, uh-huh. get back on the thing and just try to figure it out because there's just no, yeah. there's no perfect plan. It doesn't work like that. No, that's not a thing. Nah. The road to get to even when you, if you do hit that goal that you're going towards in that yeah. specific area, that road don't look like how you think it's going to look. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. And I think people are oftentimes too caught up in success. Mm-hmm. What, what the hell is that? What does that even mean? It's a journey. <laughs> you know, there's no, there's no particular station where you say, I'm done. I, yeah, I'm here I'm and it's arrived. over. Right, right. All right I'm it good. don't work like later. that. Right, right. It is just, <laughs> It's, it's like data points. You know, you yeah. hit a point, you go, okay, I've I reached this goal. Now let me reset the goals and move on to something else. And that's what I love about being involved with this. Yeah. Because I'm going to be honest, I have, don't know much about esports. I mean, I know my kids played yeah. it. You know, we dropped a lot of money for those games. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it is a new journey. And I'm meeting great people like you and some of the mm-hmm. people I'm having on my show. And then things we'll be talking about over the next who knows how many years. Oh, my gosh. Loving this experience and the journey. Yeah. I'm so excited about it. And you know what I want to do? I want to kind of. Let's rewind a bit here. Let's right. talk about your childhood. Oh, Lord. Where you grew up. <laughs> where where those roots came from. I, I want to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah. So my early days were in Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. So not too far from the Dallas Metroplex where we are. And mm-hmm. I used to always think that Dallas was just some like different planet. You know, a lot of freeways spread out it's everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it was a city. Exactly. And Austin, I, I grew up on the east side of town, on the other side of Interstate 35, right across from the University of Texas. Yeah. And I spent a lot of my years there and, and had a lot of great experience with my grandparents, Johnny May Cavanaugh and Webster Cavanaugh, God rest their souls. But they infused so much in terms of values and love of people mm-hmm. and looking for the best in life and being not being, an, I guess you could say, a rubbernecker. In other words, and instead yeah. of standing on the side and looking at what's happening, somebody go to those people. Mm-hmm. And I was raised with that type of an experience where we, we went to people and we, we tried to do things with people. Yeah. My grandmother was a teacher. And she worked on the east side of town and she worked in a mostly Hispanic and black school. And, and not only was she a great elementary school teacher, but she took it beyond the campus. And she used to mm. take my grandfather's truck. Uh, he had a radio and TV repair shop. Mm. I was around electronics and I didn't even know what electronics were. Right. And now think about the digital age oh, we're gosh. in right now. Right. He would not understand all this stuff. Oh no! But he had a shop. And so on the weekend, sometimes we get that truck and we go to the store and buy groceries. We might go pick up a mattress and we would pull up in front of a house and say, Mama, what are we doing? And she says, uh, this is one of my students that lives here and I need to go deliver some things. And we'd open the door and there'd be eight, nine, ten people in a small home. And mm-hmm. she was bringing food. She was bringing mat, whatever she needed to do. Mm-hmm. And she said, I need to know how they're living at home so I know yeah. how to deal with them in the classroom. Absolutely right. Unbelievable. And so she, she did that often. And she was the teacher who always had the kids who were behavior problems or whatever mm-hmm. because she knew how to connect. And then she did something that was considered almost illegal back then. She opened up her classroom sometimes on the weekends and she would invite parents in to start help them work on their, to work on their GED. Oh, wow. So she started community education. That is so cool. At Go Valley Elementary School in East Austin. And uh principal told her to, to stop at one point. She said, I'm not going to stop. So she was just about not just the kids, but about the parents. 
And I think now mm-hmm. about my life and how I've, we, my wife and I have worked hard to raise our two sons. Mm-hmm. And when you talk to kids about certain things, you also need to, if you can, spend time with the parents and chat yeah. with them about things and maybe get them to try to see things differently. Uh-huh. So I learned so much from that experience there. They moved to Cincinnati mm-hmm. where I finished high school and they went on to college and track and field was, I guess, my saving grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, football was not my deal. They knew in 15 <laughs> minutes I didn't want to get hit. And I knew in two pra- two practices that this was not for me. You didn't want to get hit. I didn't want to get hit. No, no, well, no. Lewis is too pretty for that. <laughs> no, I you wasn't too pretty. I was about that big. Like... I was about this big. <laughs> oh, <were> you... <laughs> so, oh, you were, you were oh, the... oh, I was really skinny. You're a really beanpole. Skinny. Really skinny. Really skinny. Yeah, that. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> basketball was not a good experience, and luckily, I went back. To, I, I made the decision to go back to track and field because I figured whatever talent I have, what measure of talent I have, I got a lane yeah. and I get a chance to compete. I was gonna say, there's something because. That's an independent sport. Right, And right. so do you think that that was another reason why yes. you were drawn to it? Yes. And why, why do you think that was better for you? Because it's different for everybody. Some other people really excel in the team sports and right. others excel in independent. So right. why was that for you? It was a mix of both, but it's more independent. You know, we did have yeah. a track team at Northwest sure. High School, but it was yes. the independent opportunity. Yeah. And I figured, like I said, whatever measure of talent I had, if I was willing to go out and do some training, mm-hmm. some training. Yeah. And then go out and, and have a lane to compete at the at the meet on Friday. It mm-hmm. gave me a chance to be me as opposed to being, you know, marginalized by a coach who only saw sure. certain things and weren't particularly working with you on, on in some areas. Yeah. So that theme has, I think, carried throughout my entire life. And that's the way we raised our boys is that, you know, I want y'all to be unboxable. In other words, when they hollow those boxes that you check about this, that. No, there's no boxes for you to be checked because yes. we're not actually following a blueprint or plan of everybody else. Yes. I want you to figure out what your passion is, mm-hmm. what your dreams are, what your aspirations are. And we're going for that. And I right. think I live my my life that way and uh, not always been easy. And then at the same time, yeah. we've raised our boys to do the same. But so. the payoff is just so much more greater. That's right. That That's way. right. Yeah, it does, it, just because it, it's it, something is not easy to do. Right. It's just it, you got to be able to just kind of roll with it. Yeah. And use your discernment on your choices and decision making on That's things it. that then will lead you to that greater goal right. that thing. Yeah. So now tell me when you got to college then, after growing up, you did your high school thing, you're in the college. What happened there with your sport? Well, again, it was another trying Cincinnati. Cincinnati, yeah. yeah. Bearcats. Go Bearcats. Yeah. It was it was another it was another trying experience because as I as I was leaving high school, my best friend, Doug Wiseman, who I was just like my best buddy on the high school yeah. track team, he got a scholarship to to the to Cincinnati. And I got nothing, zero, no offer. Oh. So my father pointed and he said, you should go on down there and sign up for classes. And I'm, I'm thankful that it was one of the few times I listened to him uh-huh. and uh, went down, <laughs> signed up for classes. But literally for two years, Chantel, I was just lost. Yeah. And I think sometimes in life, people need to accept the fact that they just don't know what they're doing and where mm-hmm. they're going. But, but at least be en route to something. And I went to classes yeah. and I used to swing by the dorm and I'd see him and it was like a little corner room in Dabney Hall that was a sidewalk that went by. And I'd knock on the window mm. and I'd ask Doug, say, hey, how's it going? And he's like, Lou, you need to walk on the team. You need to walk on the team. It's for two years. And so finally, I decided to walk on. And the coach knew who I was. And it was the first year was, was just hard. It was hell. Wow. And trained. And then, you know, by the second year, I was sort of leading workouts and became a co-captain. And by the third year, I was a captain. And we had identified this big dream to become an All-American, which meant you had to make the NCAA meet. Mm-hmm. You had to get to the finals mm-hmm. and to finish in the top eight. Well, I finished ninth in that final. But there was a guy Duh. named Robin Van Helden from Holland. And you remember his name and everything. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I remember his name. That means a very pivotal right. moment is coming up. That's right. Because he <laughs> would not be, he would, as, as a non-American, he would not be able to take an All-American spot. Oh. 
he wouldn't be so, eligible for exactly. that. Exactly. So he got and, knocked out. Well, and he and he finished. He, he earned his spot, his time, and everything. But I was able to earn my All American status. So Jeez. sometimes it works like that, and you just say, you know what? That's mm-hmm. incredible that I would it would work like that. And so I embraced that, and it's it, that plaque is still in my office because it was a momentous. Um, occasion for me, for the university to have another All-American. Mm-hmm. And then who would ever think that years later I would be in their Hall of Fame and yeah, then crazy. be given an honorary doctor degree. It was just, just makes, sometimes you look back and you go, how in the world did that happen? And then, but it so, did. So then when you did the whole, you know, trying to go for the gusto with your track with the Olympics and whatnot, mm-hmm. tell me what happened there. And how, what was that transition from like, okay, well, I'm in the sports, I'm running, now I'm like at the Olympics, like yeah, broadcasting stuff. Yeah. I mean, again, uh, things that you can't write, you yeah. know, again, but I think if you just are in pursuit of something, mm-hmm. things will generally work out. <clears throat> Maybe not exactly as you plan. <laughs> but course. once I went to the trial, I, w- I became an All-American in 87. Mm-hmm. Then I went to the Olympic trials in 1988 at in, 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 in Indianapolis. And mm-hmm. that was when Flojo, the great Flojo with the one leg and Carl Lewis and all uh-huh. the people there, the one leg leggings, I should say. Mm-hmm. All these folks were making massive history. So, yeah, yeah. So I was in and out one round and then uh, there was a faithful conversation in the hotel lobby that completely changed my life. A good friend of mine, Ken Washington, asked me the day after we had been knocked out of the the the, 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 the trials because mm-hmm. we had, could head out advanced, what I was going to do. I said I was going to go back to the university. I had a job as an RA, going to take a class. And that's what my plan was. And I said, what about you? So he literally, Chantel, he reaches in his backpack mm-hmm. and he pulls out this book. Mm-hmm. And it was a book of the IAAF, which is a governing body for track and field globally. Mm-hmm. It was a summer guide to all the track and field meets. And he handed it to me. And I started flipping pages. And I saw Rome. I saw Paris. I saw Via Reggio. Uh. I saw Grosetto. I saw Berlin. I uh-huh. saw Monte Carlo. I said, what? <laughs> there are track meets in all these places? I'm at the trials and I have no clue. No clue. And in that moment, he explained to me that the meets were all overseas. And then I said, well, how do you do that? And he said, well, at the other hotel. They're all the uh, European meat organizers and then yeah. they're making deals with all the American agents. And so we went over there and he said, that guy right there, that's Wilfred Milt from Belgium. He goes, that guy right there, Sandro Giovanelli from Italy. He says, mm-hmm. he has most of the meats. I spent half my summer with him. Dang. He didn't finish the, state, the sentence and I was on my way over to those guys talking a hundred <laughs> miles an hour, explaining who I was and what I wanted to do. And they told me, okay, uh, I remember the Italian guy, Julio, espetta, espetta, grazie, mm-hmm. thank you. He said, wait a minute, wait a minute. And so I gave him my number and I thought they were blowing me off. But literally that next weekend, I got a phone call from Wilfred Wilfred Meard in Belgium asking me if I had my ticket. I said, ticket for what? He said, you have a meet here in Brussels next weekend. And you're like, what? I'm like, where do I fly into? He says, Brussels. You probably thought, dummy, you're not listening. You know, I just I just didn't know, you know. So I hustled up some money and and was on the plane. And and, a week after that, I was on the track rabbiting this race, which is a person who goes out in the lead. And what year was this? This was 80, 88. It was 88 and ran the race. I'll never forget. It was a small track back in the woods, little beer truck, little small stands. It was a very tiny thing. And they had these speakers around the track, Chantel, and they had disco music playing. And uh, they would, the music would go down. Doom, 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 doom. Uh-huh. They'd announce the uh, race and announce oh, the yeah. runners all in Flemish because we're in Belgium. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then the, the gun would go off and the music would go back up and we'd run. Uh-huh. And Funny. so when the race was over, I walked over to him. He was sitting in the main tribune and I said, Mr. Mirrod, how did I do? It was like a son going to his dad. Yes. And he says, you did a good job. He goes, I'm going to help you organize some other races. And it was just unbelievable. So he helped me organize the next three or four races. And then I teamed back up with my buddy, Ken. Mm-hmm. And we tore Europe apart for six years, summer, winter, and so you're, everything. So with, with that, you're always around athletes then in general. And you got right. to see their lifestyles. Right. 
things that they do. And this is going to be kind of an interesting way to kind of segue into this whole yeah. gaming industry and how the, the connection between traditional sports and gaming, how it was kind of already there. Yeah. It, it, tell me how and in what ways, because I know even on some downtime, you're talking about like, oh, yeah, these I think a football player, they'll be playing video games they're yeah. in their hotel room. They bring their yeah. systems with them. They have their portable ones. They have ones that they play, whatever it is. Tell me about that. Well, you know, back then in 88, 89, 90, 91, I yeah. didn't really see people doing any organized gaming. Yeah. The internet wasn't being used like that yeah. even in the rooms. I can remember speaking of that, I mean, we would the phone calls we made back home were on on the on the, on phone, the phone, regular phone. <laughs> I remember once in 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 Grosseto, Italy, I blew my whole appearance fee on a on a phone call, on a couple of phone calls. And I didn't realize what I was doing. I was in my room calling. Oh. And the the rates on the hotel room were jacked oh, no. up. I think I had made like eight hundred dollars. Oh, and when no. I went to check out, my bill was like seven hundred and something dollars. I was Stop. sick. But I learned a lesson, you know, that you can't oh do that. So God. that's what we used to do, right? Not these calling plans like we have now. But I can remember back in the day seeing a lot of card playing, dominoes, and then you see some Game Boys. Oh, things yeah, like Game that. Boys came yeah, out small mm -hmm, things like mm -hmm. that. But I have to tell you, I didn't spend a lot of time at the hotel. Yeah. We ran, we we, we trained, we ate, yeah. we rested, we competed, and then we would get paid. We'd go out and we'd hit the clubs. Uh -huh. Or even before, afterwards, I'd go out and see the city. Uh -huh. You know, just I wanted to see things. I was just into the culture. Just yes. I want to see what this place is about. So if yes. I come back, I know where I'm going to go wash my clothes, yes. maybe get a haircut, uh -huh. maybe make a friend or something here or there, what have you, and just build relationships yeah. and build a connection to the place. But gaming was not as big as it is now. But now today, I mean, it's a it's an absolute part of everything. When we do you do. see that transition start to happen when it when it became more of a predominant thing that was obvious to you? Well, I was you're still more behind the scenes than yeah, all of us were. Yeah. Well, I would say, I'm, you know, long after I retired and I was in the business of television after working my way in, mm -hmm. you know, you could see that 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 athletes were using gaming a lot in their downtime mm -hmm. because, you know, as an NBA player or, or let's say a college basketball, college football player, you have so much time being spent with practice and meetings. Oh, yeah. Uh, then they do have class, you know, and you got tutoring yeah. sessions. But there's that way to escape because you can't really leave campus and do whatever. And they, they do a lot of gaming. And I think yeah. same with the, a lot of professional, you know, say NBA players. Yeah. And then you begin to see it on social media that they're involved. Well, with now these things. guys are getting, you know, purchasing teams and whatnot, too, as well. You know, right. they're purchasing uh, esports leagues and whatnot teams. Right. And that says a lot, right? That a, that a professional oh, totally. team would have its own esports team. Oh, absolutely. And they right. got their... their Immortalized in video games now yeah, too as well yeah, i mean yeah. even you know ufc you know football there's a video game for literally every sport I yeah know. is there one for track though um is I that needed th yes there, i feel like i don't know of any there's something primitive we need to be quiet because we need to work on that together oh, you know, hey. we don't give it away okay y'all didn't hear away. that right exactly because we need to work well, on that's that just game between you guys and then us so don't <laughs> tell anybody okay right mm -hmm. but absolutely and and what i'm really interested in Chantel, is 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 the relationships we're building with people that we're meeting, you know, with Map Esports Network and Esports Future ITV and the yeah. podcast networks and, and, and the networking you do there. But you learn so much about lifestyle and about how the gaming industry and gaming lifestyle is crossing over into mainstream life. I mean, I didn't, I wasn't aware of just how deep yeah. the roots already are. And what's really exciting for me is to be able to touch base with a lot of the athletes that I've known for years, either mm. as contemporaries because we competed together or those that I've covered over the last you know, 10 summer and winter yep. Olympics, five and five, mm -hmm. as well as people that we're now meeting and, and to see how gaming is now a part. I love to travel. I love to go to different places and cultures. So now I want to go and visit these cities and see what the esports and gaming industry is like. With and, Chantel uh, Boucher. We can do that. 
I was going together. Yeah, I was in Paris in in, in September of two, of night of oh, two thousand yes. and of two thousand twenty, and went to about five different locations. And it's just interesting. So that's the kind of stuff yeah. that I love. Yeah, me too. Me too. We're in the same boat here. There we go. And 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 we're all we are going to travel, and we've got so many exciting things coming up too as mm. well. Before we go into some of the more exciting things too. Talk about your All In With Esports show because you've got a show. It's in existence already. Yeah. His, is, his has been hot and going for a little bit. He's, again, somebody that I just, you know, pay attention to and listen to so I can pick up on some cues and well, learn from you. But you. You already got it. Tell me. Yeah. Tell well, us about All In. All In With Esports is a show that I have here on the network and it is it is so much fun. And I'm going to tell you what one of the biggest issues, the biggest reasons is for me and why it's fun. Almost yeah. my entire career. My interactions with a guest or somebody I'm talking to yeah. like this is 30 seconds, a minute, minute and a half, you know, post-race interviews usually last about 30, 45, 45 seconds or a minute. At yeah. the Olympics, if it's like a final, it may be a minute and a half or whatever, and I'm getting poked in the back because it's only supposed to be two <laughs> questions and I'm going four. I'm like, yo, this is the money moment. I can't stop right now. This is, this is history that has to be, yes. we got to put a period on this. It needs this. to be exactly. recorded right. and it needs to have that right. dot or the right. exclamation. <laughs> I'm talking to Usain Bolt after his final Olympics and it's like, yo, this is, this is history. I can't do two questions here. We've got to wrap this history up properly. Anyway, I have yet, I have never been involved with a platform where I can really spend time and talk to people. And mm. I love this, that I can actually talk with them ahead of time, do like a pre-interview, and yep. I've got some stuff that I've sort of got prepared. But then you really know what you need to talk about based on work, but on that pre-interview. Absolutely. And then set up a format and then actually have a conversation like we're having now. I'm loving yeah. it. And with COVID, most of this has been uh, on Zoom. But yes. where it really got great for me is this right here. Yep. Face to face, we have a chance to chit chat and talk. We've mm-hmm. already talked beforehand. I've got my notes, but we can have a conversation. We and, talked a couple times. Yeah, in general. yeah, talked yeah. A couple times. yeah. So this is mm-hmm. what I really love about it is being able to talk face to face in long form. But I'm learning so much about the industry mm-hmm. and about what for me my focus is on really the stories of the people I'm talking to. So we will introduce the person and kind of talk a little bit about what they're doing in the industry, but then I like to do what we're doing is step back in their lives and, yep. and kind of track the uh, progress to get to this point. Yep. And the point of that is just like the Olympics. When I did my first games in Sydney in 2000, I was so excited to get the opportunity to be an analyst for the middle distance races. And I, my first question is, what is my mandate? What am I mm-hmm. supposed to do? Mm-hmm. We went to our first seminar and in that big seminar with the Olympic music and all the big production you're, you're just getting bathed in 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 olympism oh yeah and what i heard from our executives was we want you to be storytellers mm-hmm. we want you to be storytellers we want to hear you say on the air i talked to so-and-so and he or she told me this mm-hmm. i got it mm-hmm. and so you go out to the practice sessions and you build relationships so you increase relationships and you get that information and then as an athlete shows up on the track first round, second round, third round, final, or if you think they're going to be out in the second round, you got to, you got to make decisions on when to drop what information. So you're sort of piecemealing it through. Yeah. And what I learned is that most people will pick up the remote control to watch the Olympics, not because they understand the sport so much, but they, because they get connected to the personalities and the people and the stories. Mm -hmm. So that's what I want to make sure that I do here is bring that same mentality to what I'm doing on my show. Mm-hmm. is to connect people to the individuals. Mm-hmm. What's their journey? What's their story? Because they may not be, the listeners may not be completely involved with esports. They may be somewhat, or yep. they may even heard this person's name. Yeah. But do they know the story? Yep. And everybody has a story. Absolutely. Everybody has a story. 
And mm-hmm. I hope that people will be inspired by what they listen to. But most importantly, Chantel, I want people to be inspired by their own story. Mm-hmm. Do you know what it is? Have you ever embraced it, thought about it, talked about it, shared it? I think embracing it is a very good point. Absolutely. And that, for me, is how I can bring my experiences covering all these Olympics into this into this industry. And I love it. Yeah. And, I'm, I, and for the future of this, too, as well. And everything that you're saying is about the future. Yeah. Impacting yeah. people's future, the future of the company, the future of the industry. The, I hate using the word innovation, innovating. You because it's just, it's, I mean, I just feel like everybody just says, it's so innovative. But really, truly, what yeah, we are doing yeah. in the platform that Map Esports, Esports Future Eye is, is creating for everybody is creating a, a, pl- a safe place and a platform for people to really yeah. understand more life things too as well, yeah. what they can accomplish and, right. and be able to pursue their dreams no matter what it is and open their eyes if they are interested in the gaming <clears throat> industry, knowing that there's so much right. more to it that there's possibilities for them to do That's something right. with it. And you know that story I told you about my grandmother, right? Yeah. And what I learned from her and how you go to people. There's another leg, an important leg mm. of this business, of, the, of this mission that Jacob Miles has set, and mm. that is to affect the, our disadvantaged communities and Absolutely. disadvantaged kids. That is extremely important to me. Mm-hmm. I, my heart is hooked on what we're doing here based, based on that. Mm-hmm. And we have a tremendous opportunity to get into these communities and not just give kids a pacifier. Yep. Go in here and play these games for 30 minutes. Exactly. No, we want you not just to play the games. We want you to look at these and say, hey, do you understand that you could be in this industry? Education. Right. Education. STEM and STEAM. Do you realize yep. that you could actually create a game mm-hmm. or that you could uh, be involved with coding or be involved with mm-hmm. artistic side of things? Mm-hmm. Whatever your passion is, you might be able to find your way to be in this industry. Even in the performing arts field, people That's don't realize right. when you on these video games, you know, they have voiceover actors yeah, for right. this, right? There's humans, yeah. actual real humans, even the dance moves and everything right. that you see. Those are, you know, they put those suits on and, and yeah. they got all the points on them and they're able to like do movements and stuff. So dancers, I mean, there's all yeah. kinds of people that. Hey, wouldn't it be cool if you and I could be voiceover artist uh, talent in a, in a video game? Oh, my God. We could, we could have a we That's could have, going on the we list could have of- our show within the, within the game. Wouldn't that be cool? Listen, people, <laughs> Lewis is always like, Chantal, you could do this. You could do that. Yeah. I don't even know how I got a podcast to begin with. But you know Let what? Do a, be a voiceover of anything. Yeah, but, <laughs> but you, there I am why not? doing it. There you go. So Again, why can we do great that? Great example of of how life will stretch you out and your stories of you of, of your life and and how things progress and the things that are very unexpected. There and you go. I love he, he. I just love how you're just so passionate for people and yeah. have a heart for people as yeah. as I do too as well. And and you're an encourager. You're a, a natural encourager, and we need more. I appreciate of you that in appreciate in life. That. Before we kind of wrap it up, though, you know. We want to make a special announcement that Lewis and I have our own show coming out. Yes, pew, 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 yes, pew. yes, yes. So why don't you tell them about that? Why you want me to do it? You want to tell them? Go ahead. This, tell this is about your it. show. I want so you to do it. So basically, you know, what it is, is Lewis and I are going to have a show where we do highlights from that month. So it's always going to be at the end of the month. We do highlights and then we get you all pumped up and excited about what yep. the future holds for the following month. Yep. Like a little report. And so for some of you who can't get to watch every single show or watch every single podcast or whatever it is that we're throwing out there for content, we do like a little abbreviated version. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, keep people posted, let you know what's up. Right. Let you know of contests, events, news. Right. What we're expecting is there's going to be a lot of content flowing through Map Esports Network, Esports Future ITV, the yes. podcast network, the gaming sites. I mean, everything, even with PPL, the, the Power Players League. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Our show will give people a recap, give you that recap of what's happened in this past month. 
If you want to go back and watch something, we'll give you some links to it. You'll be able to see that. And then we'll tell you about what's coming up in the next month. But I think. Oh, no, what? In the midst of this show, <laughs> it's all good. What else are we doing? <laughs> you love music, this right? Is, of course I love music. Okay, I used to lo- be a singer. That's right. what I did. You were a singer? Yes. Wait a sing minute. Sing for you my whole life. And you didn't tell me listen, that. Listen, there's all kinds of surprises over here, okay? What What did you sing? I R&B? started out singing jazz, and then I got it into classic rock and what? stuff like that. Yep. I, I didn't since know Since I was like two or three, sang with Don Ho when I was a little kid. and In Hawaii? Yeah, in Hawaii. And see, Played I know who Don Ho is. I, I've heard his name. Yeah, I know. So People don't only- know that about me. I don't really talk about, like, people that, I, you know, in Hawaii who know me know that about me. But now since, you know, you I'm in business You're dropping information stuff. like this. I didn't know that. <laughs> so so we when, when we're COVID safe again, we need to go do a karaoke with all of our team. Oh, that's going to happen. And then that you need to hilarious. get up there. And, yeah, yeah. I will the, be open to the that. The only other Hawaiian singer I know, because we used to go to Kauai. We used to take our boys. With Israel the, Kamaka fa- Viva Ole. Oh, I couldn't even say his name. I was going to say Israel something. Yeah, exactly. Israel Kamaka Viva Ole. Kamaka Viva Ole. Yes. I mean, what a... What say that a, 10 times fast. Yeah. Ka, ka, Israel Kamaka Viva Ole. Or just Ole. say it once fast. Kamaka Viva Ole. Kamaka Viva Ole. <laughs> there you go. Kamaka Viva Ole. Oh my God. You even sound local. <laughs> you even have like the pigeon breath. Oh my God. <laughs> but yeah, remember his music. We heard it many times there. But anyway, that's probably like... Yep. Absolutely. But I think we need to have some music involved. I think I would love to have a DJ. A DJ to maybe spin a little music to kind you know, of give our, our show a little flavor. About, we, we got all kind of flavor. You saying flavor, <laughs> you don't even know, y'all. Okay, we got flavors, actual flavors coming up in our shows too as well. And you, a little and, musical flavor. And, and did y'all hear that? She didn't Full say flavor. flavor. She said we got flavors. We flavors. Got flavors. Because did you say actual flavors? flavors. <laughs> we have flavors and flavors. flavors. Right. So I know somebody who is a great, great dude. Great husband, great family man. We like that. And a lover of music. He was one of the early or original DJs that played in New York City at the, what was the name of that show? Where you have the guy come out and hook people off the stage. Oh. Shame on me. At the Apollo. Yes. He, he played at the Apollo. Hello. Yeah, yeah. So uh, DJ Kevy O. DJ Kevy O. Yeah, yeah. So he was one of the original DJs yeah. that played there. And he is, Kevin Grimes is his name, but it goes by DJ Kevy O. I want people to know his name as the husband and father, <laughs> Kevin yeah. Grimes, great, great yeah. human being, and then know you as the DJ, DJ Kevio. But he's uh, plays locally here on a local radio station doing mixes and things like that. So I think we should have him come and do some, oh, some gonna, mixes and background music and have some keep fun. It fun. Yeah. We're going to keep it fun. We're going to stay engaging. We're going to yeah. represent the people. Yeah. Hear from the people. Yeah. Put out little contests, do some some kind of promoting and exactly whatever. And it, you know, ain't nothing like dropping somebody's name and you haven't had permission to do that. But I hope, well, Kev, I hope you're all right he, with that. He, <laughs> he's kind of getting known for this sort of thing. Like, you know, Chantel, you're doing this now. Okay. I yeah. just say, okay. At this point, yeah. I, I, you can't say no to Lewis Johnson. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. No, you can't. <laughs> but anyway, well, thank you so much no, for thank coming you. on my thank show. You. I'm looking forward to continuing to work with you and looking forward to our show. And I want to, I'm going to be there, arms with you, arm to arm, out there, working for the people, with the people, providing that platform for them. And I'm just so excited about it. I am too. And um, you you have a great spirit as well. And it it is just fun. It is fun. Somebody told me that we both know it took him 10 minutes to realize you were great people. You know, when you you get a compliment, you're good people. 
Like she good people. Aww. Yeah. So that was that was clear. So listen, let's mm-hmm. link up and you do your thing with your shows. I'm doing mine, but let's hook together and, and yep. give people this recap every month. That's right. But we are having fun with this and we have such a tremendous journey ahead of us. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait until we are all mostly vaccinated, much more safe to be able to move around and do things because we're oh, yeah. going to have so much fun with live events, which I know is your specialty, yep. putting together lives of live events. On that. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be you, right? Yep. That's and me. then uh, we'll continue to build and 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 touch people's lives in the communities and bring them along and send some of these kids to college with opportunities to get into Absolutely. this business. I want to explore the world in terms of how esports is doing and do those live events. We're gonna let's do red carpet. We're doing in, in, oh, we're in, doing in all South that. Korea and China. Where in, in, oh, in we're, we gotta go to Tokyo. Are Tokyo. we going to Tokyo? Do you want to come to the games? I'm going. Okay, so we're just I'm hoping already in my mind. I'm okay. there already. We're hoping that the games are going to happen, right? Uh, and when I'm there, happen. don't tell NBC, but I'm going to try to sneak out and see, see a couple of esports locations. You guys are now, getting okay? all the secrets today, okay? <laughs> Listen, everybody. I'm there for work, but yeah. <laughs> so I'm into it. Anyway. Well, we're going. Awesome. All Looking right, forward Ms. to it. Again, everybody, Mr. Lewis Johnson. Miss Chantel Boucher. Thank you for spending this time with us on the esports feature at Ezine podcast. And we are just looking forward to connecting with all your people and, and bright futures are coming. Yep. 2021 is it. Awesome. I love how y'all. Boom. Thanks for listening to the Esports Future Eye Ezine podcast. This podcast is part of the Esports Future Eye podcast network and produced by Innovation Media Enterprises. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast channel and leave us a review. I'm the one, I'm the one, I'm the one.